Father, we thank you today that we enter the throne room of grace boldly. We thank you today, God, that everything we deserve, that Jesus took with him on the cross, that Jesus, you became sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And Lord, I thank you that even though we were once dead in trespasses and sins, you saw a very bright future for us. And that because you so loved the world, you gave your only begotten Son for us. We take this communion today to remember and to realize that the power of the cross and what you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if we could have the young people, you guys got a great, great Sunday ahead of you, Miss Ashley. We'll see you guys later. Everyone say, see you later, alligators. <laughs> I love it. Well, folks, gosh, that's great. We better wave Rod and Sandra off. Sandra, we should just keep you guys around here for a little bit. We're not going to, somebody tackle them so they don't go. That was a beautiful service. Yeah. I did, we did, we were this close. <laughs> Bye, Sandra. How are you? <laughs> yeah, they were going up for auction next Sunday, Tess. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, if you want to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, we use Bibles here at Turning Point still in 2018, whether they're electronic or paper. title of this message today is, I need some help. I really, really need some help. Anybody fit into that category? So last week was, I need some help. And this week is, I really, really need some help. And when we pray, and sometimes when we're going through things in life, we want to make sure that the Lord really understood that we really did need help. And uh, there is that process that we go through. But I wanted to start today with this Matthew 6, verse 6. And it's a this whole idea and the teaching about uh, prayer and fasting, he goes into uh, verse 5. Why don't we start there, but our emphasis will be on verse 6. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they'll ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private, and then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Don't When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Isn't that a beautiful thing? So when we pray today, we're not going to be like the Pharisees. I, I want to talk to you today about getting into the presence of the Lord in your life. And we, last, I think it was last week or maybe it was two weeks ago, that whole thing that just blew up in the news and the media where Joy Behar was talking about the vice president. The vice president says, I, you know, hear the Lord speak to me. And she thought he was absolutely crazy. Does anybody remember that thing, that whole debacle? But I want you to tell you today to confirm to you that God does speak to everyone. Do you know that? 
That God, yes, we talk to God, but it's not a monologue, it's a dialogue. That God is inviting us into his presence, and God does in fact speak to us. So if God spoke to you today, why don't you raise your hand if he spoke in any area of your life. Okay, there's about four or five people here. If he is, God's, you're all crazy folks. You're all lunatics because God spoke to you. Sometimes he speaks through donkeys, Right? Sometimes he speaks through billboards. Sometimes he speaks audibly. Baptists don't like to talk about the audible part, right? We don't talk about the audible. No, God speaks audibly too. God shows up in visions and he shows up in dreams. God speaks through the prophetic. There's been times in my life where prophecies have been spoken to me and I've given prophecies to people by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's funny that you don't like that because it makes us uncomfortable. So when we go into the presence of God, Jesus says it like this to the people. He said, when you go into the secret place, he said, what's the secret place? It's wherever you find that place where you can get alone with God. And if you're not getting alone with God, then you need to start. If you're not getting alone with God, and seeking his presence and getting away to maybe secluded spaces in your life, I am telling you, you're missing out on everything that God wants for you. You're missing the biggest part of the pie. I think it's great we go to church. We need church. Turn to somewhere quick. You need church. Folks, I'm going to tell you today, I needed that worship service, didn't you? Yeah. I needed that. I'm going to tell you today, you need the people of God in your life. But let me tell you what you need just as much as church. You need the very secluded presence of God where it's just you and Him. And it's a beautiful thing. Jesus said this, when you go into the present, He said you must go into that secret place. I want to tell you that there's 29 verses in Scripture that speak directly of Jesus Himself getting away to pray in a secluded place. Turn real quick to Matthew chapter 14, verse 23. Let me tell you something. If Jesus got away, then you need to get away. Mr. Monty, could you give me some water? I forgot I didn't have I threw my other bottle away. Matthew 14, verse 23. After sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself. Did he say with a bunch of friends or by himself? By himself to pray, night fell when he was there alone. Turn real quick to Mark chapter 1, verse 35. And you'll notice that all 29 times there'll be a same kind of idea that he went alone or he went to a secluded place. And I don't know what that is, and I'm not going to say doctrinally where that goes for you. But in Mark 1, 35, it says before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up. And went out to an isolated place to pray. We see that over and over again. 29 times we see reference to that. And I'm going to tell you today, if you want strength, you know the other thing that's going on I, I hear about in social media is this whole idea that you can't say, I'm praying for you because that somehow is a bad thing. Let me tell you something. Everything starts and finishes with prayer. If someone's going through the bad time, the best thing you can do for that person is pray, pray for them. It's amazing how we've gotten so far in society to the point to where it's offensive to tell someone that we're going to pray for them. Now, I know what they mean. They need action. 
There's a time where we have to get up and start moving. I get some of the frustration, but I want you to understand that some of the pain and the problems we go through, the only way that we can experience healing is through the prayers that we get into. Thank you, Mr. Money. Now I'm going to really preach just for a second here. One of those things that we get into for prayer. So I want to tell you that you can pray with people, that you can get involved with people. And by the way, we think we need to know the answers when we pray. You don't need to know the answers. When you pray for someone and you go to that secret place, you don't need to know any of the answers. God knows all the answers already. When we go into the secret room, we must shut the door. I think that's so important for us. Jesus says when you go into the secret place, shut the door. Now it literally means privately to do that. You know, he said when you fast, don't announce to everyone I'm fasting. You know, make sure you look presentable and make sure you don't look like you're fasting because you don't want to have that sense of pride. Well, I'm fasting today. You, you, God says do this between you and him. But when you shut the door, there's some things that we need to do and that we need to shut the door on. How many of you, you've gone into prayer and you've gone, you started praying about it, and you really didn't feel any of the weight lift from that thing that you're praying about, right? You still have a responsibility, you still have the problems. And part of the thing I want to say and treat all of us to, I'm as guilty of this as everyone else. So when I'm preaching today, I'm preaching to Steve Lab. I need this like everyone else. Is that when I go into pray, and then when I seek the Lord, that I have to shut the door to some of the emotions that I've attached myself to with that situation. How many of you have been so tied into it that you can't even see the trees through the forest and so prayer really ain't working some? That's why we shut the door to. You shut the door to all your preconceived notions of the situation. So when you've got something you're in the middle of, and all of us do, if you've got something you're in the middle of, why don't we just raise that hand this morning? So we're in the middle of something right now. We are in the middle of something that we don't understand. We're in the middle of something that we don't have all the diagrams to. We have tried. We have manipulated. We've met with people. We've met with people we thought knew what we needed to know. And we've gone to those things. We've read books. We've read magazines. We've gone to conferences. And we're still not getting answers. What happens in the church when it comes to that secret place and going away to pray, people get a little nervous because they say, well, I've tried prayer, and prayer didn't work. We won't admit that, we won't say that, but that's what we think. And I want to tell you that the disciples did ask Jesus. They said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. So obviously the disciples didn't know how to pray. And they needed the Master to show them how to pray. And there is a wrong way to pray. Can I tell you that? There is a wrong way to pray, folks. If you pray and you don't have any faith behind those prayers, what's the point in praying? If we're just doing mantras like other religions do to hear ourselves talk, then what good is that going to do? Jesus said, let your words be few even when you pray. In other words, God already knew what you needed to pray about. I think sometimes when we go into that secret place, we go to that place and we're not sure how the outcome will be. Well, I want to tell you that all your personal expectations, all of this and all of that, throw it out the door. Please do this and your next time that you're going to meet the Lord, throw your to-do list away, okay? I want you, maybe the things that you were lining up that you thought were the order that it was supposed to be and how God was supposed to work, I challenge you to write those things down and actually rip them to shreds and throw them in a trash can. Physically do it! Detach yourself from the stuff. Detach yourself from the problem so that you can get 
into the secret place. Turn somewhere real quick and say, I need to get into the secret place. We talk to our friends about it. We talk to our relatives about it. We tell social media about it. We talk, 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 talk about all this. And there comes a point where we go into that secret place. I wish I had a door here. And we just go in there and we shut the door behind us and say, God, I am here to meet with you. Here's the thing about the secret place, too, relationally with God, through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. I don't want you to think of this like a meeting, like a boardroom meeting. I don't want you to think that there's a big whiteboard up there and the general God is up there going, okay, these are the first five things that I want you to do today before you do anything else, Steve. Now get out there and go get them. I want you to think about it as a very intimate conversation where God is pouring out his love on you and you are pouring out your love on God. See, I think our, our, our mental notion of what we're to do, we're so packaged with getting results. We're so packaged with, well, I've got to get this done, and I only have this amount of time frame. So when you go into the secret place, you're off the clock, okay? Turn to somewhere we say, you're off the clock. In other words, the weight of responsibility is off of you. It's not your responsibility anymore. We want answers, right? We want help. We want help. I want help. I want help, Pastor. I need help with this. I've got to figure out the answers to that. I am telling you that the secret place will give you more help than any counselor or advisor or medicine bottle could ever give you. If we don't, here's the setback that will happen. We won't experience the stillness that his presence offers. The Bible declares to us to be still and know that he is God. When we come into the secret place in the bold room or the throne room of grace boldly receiving help from God, we understand that right now I need to be still. Isn't it one of the hardest parts to be still? How many of you, you've been praying, you sat down, you kind of put the Bible in front of you, and you're already wandering through your day of the things that you need to get done? Can I get an amen there? And then what happens is we get the whip out, and we start whipping our back. I can't believe I'm thinking this. I can't believe it, Lord. I, I'm so bad. I'm horrible. Just stop it. God loves you. He longs to talk to you. Gene Edwards, one of the greatest writers. I love Tale of Three Kings. It's a beautiful book he wrote back in the 90s. He came out with a book about the presence of God. And one of the things that he said practically that we're going to have to do as we start adjusting ourselves to get into the presence of God and find that seclusion in Him, you know what he says is really practical because we need practical thoughts on this. We over-spiritualize it too often. He said when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you should do is actually say, Lord, I love you, or just think thoughts to the Lord. Your first thoughts out of the gate need to be thoughts towards God. Not thoughts towards work, not thoughts towards your spouse, not thoughts towards your children, but actually say to God, God, thank you for the day. Start uttering things. Start your day out maybe tomorrow morning with this. Right out of the gate, find the secret place and say, Lord, I just want to say good morning. I love you. Was that hard? Is that hard? I didn't ask you to pray for three hours, did I? I didn't say to fast for a week this week. But maybe right out of the gate, 
Maybe some of the adjustments we start doing to hear and going to the secret place is before when we're getting out of bed and when we're sitting there and we hit the alarm clock and it takes us 20 minutes to get up. Take that 20 minutes and just say, Lord, I love you. Thank you for everything that you've given to me. We get up and now all of a sudden out of the gate, our day is a little different. I am telling you the simplicity of the secret place. It was never meant to be difficult. If we don't, we won't experience stillness with what we're facing. Start your day, Gene Edwards says, by giving him your first words and your first thoughts. Now you say, man, how can I challenge my thoughts? You're going to need to start challenging your thoughts. Because immediately, there was a time last week where I had a lot of thoughts going in my head. And I was tossing and I was turning. Anybody ever been there before? I'm tossing and turning, trying to figure out stuff at work in my mind. What we do here and what we do there. And I was thinking about things and thinking about this. And it was funny, one of those moments we just turned and me and Ann just prayed together. And it was amazing what the peace will do. You know, sometimes when you go into that secret place, you start with your spouse or wherever it is. And then you can find that rest and that stillness that God has for you. But start giving God your first words and your first thoughts. This is your space, not anyone else's. In other words, no one's going to decorate this room for you. No one's going to make it special. The only person that can make the secret place special is you. What's the secret place? I don't know. For Jesus, the secret place wasn't a temple. He didn't go to the temple to pray. The Bible tells us predominantly where Christ went is he went out into the wilderness to pray. He'd go for a walk. He would go to secluded places. I don't know what those were. I know some of them, like the Garden of Gethsemane, went to a garden there, an olive garden. There are other places where he just wandered off. There were times where he just went away and didn't tell anyone, and the disciples were like, where's Jesus? And they're like, I have no idea. Does anybody need to find him? C.S. Lewis writes this in The Secret Place. We must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. See, a lot of us have these great ideas. The reason why we don't go to the secret place is we go, well, I don't have that. I don't have first thoughts this way. I'm facing this. I'm dirty here. I'm, I'm bad in this. And I'm bad in that. And so we don't even obligate ourselves to getting into the secret place. But I love what C.S. Lewis, he says this, we must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. How many have got some stuff that we need to lay before the throne of grace? Say, this is in me, God. This is the honest me. This is what I'm dealing with in my life. Do you know that God is not the least bit concerned about your questions and your worries and your doubts? He loves you bringing those to Him. Lay them before Him. Tell Him about the problems going on in your life. Share those things. Pour those things out. But I want to tell you this, that once they're poured out, be done with them. Once you get those things off your shoulders and you're not venting, but you're giving those things to Him and you're saying to God, God, I give you these concerns, I give you these worries, and it's an amazing thing what happens. It's so often so important as we pour ourselves into Him that we are facing and what we are struggling with, what has disappointed us, and what has hurt us. Hebrews 4.16. Why don't we turn there? Beautiful verse of Scripture. I've said a couple times now today, but Hebrews 4.16. Maybe you take this promise with you this week. 
Isn't it great that you don't have to be a superhero to go into the presence of God? Isn't it great right now where you're at, you can go right, right there? Hebrews 4.16 So let's come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive His mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Isn't that neat? When we go into the presence of God, we go in there boldly. We go in there with confidence. The reason why we have confidence is because God is an answering God. God is a miracle working God. God is a God of breakthroughs. So we have confidence there. One of the things that we have to do is learn to keep going to this place. Not just time to time, but all the time. Charles Spurgeon writes, Have you been praying for the conversion of a relative or pleading for some other good thing that you believe is according to the will of God? And after pleading during the night for your spirit has been sad, are you tempted to never offer that petition anymore? Now then, at Christ's word who said, Men ought always to pray and not faint. Pray without ceasing. Let the net down and pray again. Pray not because the circumstances that surround you are more favorable, but simply because God commands you to continue in prayer. And who knows, this very time, you may meet with success. Remember when Jesus met with Peter? Peter had been fishing, doing his stuff. And Jesus says, hey Peter, throw your nets on the other side. Well, he had his list of excuses of why this wouldn't work. Find Jesus at your word. We'll do it. He throws it over to the other side. And whammo, he got the biggest catch of his life. I've told you this before. Man, me and my dad, we would go fishing. And me and dad and Monty would go fishing year after year at Shatak. But I can tell you that every time we went fishing, I never for a moment said, Hey, listen, this next one could be the one. If we wanted to throw a lure out just one more time, because this could be the catch. And I would sit there and I would, this would be the catch. No, 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 this one, that's the stump, that's where the biggest bass is at. I am telling you, the give it again. Throw it one more time. And you learn by example, and I love the example of your father and what he does. My dad was in eighth grade, I think, it was me and my friend Jeff, we were fishing, and my dad says, guys, you got to hit the stumps, you got to hit by the docks, you catch a fish there. He says, see, watch this. And he throws it out there, and whammo, he catches a bass. And I looked at Jeff. There was never a time where I didn't aim for a dock the rest of my life. Why? Because I saw my dad do it. When we go into the presence of God and when we continue prayer without ceasing, it is never based on your circumstance. Because very rarely will the prayers that you pray in faith line up with the circumstances that you are facing. Can I get a resounding amen there? Maybe, as Charles Spurgeon says, maybe this very time you will meet it with success. Maybe this time. Well, I've been praying for, I've been praying for Sally for 20 years. Nothing's happened, Pastor. So what? You don't know what's going on in the background. You don't know what mighty angels God is sending in the middle of that. You don't know. Who made you God? To determine when to stop. Who told you to stop? Don't stop. The prayers of a righteous man avails much, the Bible tells me. 
So when you pray, it's availing much. In your circumstance and in my circumstance, it's availing much. It's doing something in the background. It's breaking down barriers. If there's one thing people can't stop you doing in this world, they can take your Bibles, they can take prayer out of schools, they can take the Ten Commandments at the wall. They cannot stop prayer. Can't stop prayer. They can sew your lips shut. They can't stop prayer. Who knows? Maybe this time. You got something you're praying about that you're wanting to give up on? Keep it up. Turn somewhere and say, keep it up. Psalm 27, 8 says, When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Number two, you cannot rest until you rest in God. Some of us have looked for rest. We have sleep aids. We have sleep problems. You know, one of the biggest things facing our society, especially in America today, is the lack of sleep or the last lack of rest. And people are sleeping less than they ever had. Larry Crabb writes, you cannot rest until you rest in God. You cannot celebrate as you were meant to celebrate until you celebrate God more than everything else that is good or bad. It may never have occurred to you before that what's missing is the partial enjoyment of God. Not more obedience, not more discipline, not more blessing, not more ministry, not more emotional security, not more prayer, not more self-esteem. What's missing from your life is a genuine, deeply felt experience of the presence of God. An experience that is enjoyable in the deepest parts of your soul. You know what's so neat? What's missing in your life is not more discipline. We always go to these pet religious things. Churches produce treadmills for people to stand on. And they want you to do this and do that a little more. Give a little more. And pray a little more. And everybody, isn't just everybody tired here today by doing more? <laughs> I've been doing a lot, Pastor. It's not enough. I don't, don't see any breakthrough. What we're missing is the genuine expression of the presence of God. Isn't a service so different when you sense the presence of God? Isn't it different? Maybe you're lacking rest and peace in your life. And coming into the Lord's presence will give you peace that no sleep aid and no medicine can provide. Oswald Chambers writes this to those who have no agony. Jesus says, I have nothing for you. Stand on your own feet and square your shoulders. I have come for the man who knows he has a bigger handful than he can cope with, who knows there are forces he cannot touch. I will do everything for him if he will let me. Only let a man grant his needs it, and I will do it for him. I love it. He says, for people without agony or without problems... You stand on your own two feet, but I came for the person who needs my help. That's what prayer is. We go to God's presence for help. God is an ever-present help in time of trouble. We always say this. And this is the most irritating thing. We say all too often that we're too busy to find rest. We're just too busy. Brother Lawrence once said the time of busyness, he said does not with me differ from the time of prayer. And the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God and as great as tranquility as if I were upon my knees at the Blessed Supper. See, we want to find that place 
Like monks, we don't find that, that quiet place, that not noisy place. I love what one of the greats in Scripture, I think it was, oh gosh, Whitfield's mom. George Whitfield's mom, she had 12 kids, I think. And she, to find that quiet place, she would throw an apron over her face and she would start praying right there. There's no quiet place for a mom of 12. And even when it's quiet, it's not quiet. I see my wife with the four kids and I'm like, she has no quiet space. And maybe today you say, well, there's no place of rest. And you can, like Brother Lawrence, say it doesn't matter if things are busy or crazy. It can be a place where you say, listen, this place is no different than if there was a place of tranquility for me. Where I'm off in the beaches with sand in between my toes. If all of the scripture is based on you finding that cute little place where nothing's bothering you, then that shouldn't even be the gospel. The gospel is for mean streets and horrible places and busyness in our life where God can give us peace that passes understanding. If God can't be God at those moments, then God can't be God at all. We're all looking for that peaceful place. Turn to and say, you might never find it. <laughs> you might never find it. And what I mean by that is your circumstances might be crazy for a long time, but you can find the peace that passes all understanding in the middle of it. Where does your soul need rest right now? Where does it need it? In God's presence, he's going to speak healing to you and the area of your life that needs healing. You may have been listening to enemies' voices you, and, and haven't come truly into the Lord's presence. I want you to know that he who commands the seas is speaking to you. Some of us need to be reminded of who we are in Christ as we come into the throne room of grace. There's a story I heard about the movie Blood Diamond. Solomon Bandy, an African fisherman, passes through a human hell and attempts to recover his son from the clutches of a self-described devil who has turned the boy into a drug-fueled child soldier. Finally holding the boy in his arms, but discovering the young Dia no longer recognizes him and instead curses and rejects him. Solomon redeems his son. He speaks over and over the truth about who Dia really is. The details of his character and identity until the child hears and begins to accept it. I want to tell you today that when you come into the presence of God, God longs to speak to you some truth. You might have facts about your circumstances, but always line up the facts of your circumstances with the truth of God and His Word. To shut those voices off that the enemy has spoken to you, and I don't care what age you are today, there has been things that you've bought into. There's been lies. There's been maybe failures and mistakes that your parents did. Missteps. Maybe it was at school. Maybe someone hurt you. Whatever it was, that calmly God gathers you up and what God does and what God does he gathers you up and he reminds you of who you are in him. How much he loves you, how much he cares for you, and he speaks to you an identity that you didn't even know you had. A.W. Tozer said this, You mean something to God, and God has his eyes upon you, and you know what's really neat? That God is emotionally concerned for you. You mean something to God. Isn't that really good to hear? You mean something to God. You're not just a number. You're a face. You're a name to God. As we come into the Lord's presence, 
here's what's going to happen. We're going to receive healing words that we desperately need. This is why I wanted you to tear up your to-do list. Because we think we know so well about what we need right now and what God needs to give us. And maybe right now the thing that we need from God is not the healing for the other person, but we need the healing ourselves. Maybe, maybe the person and the problem we're praying for, maybe right now it isn't so much us trying to fix them or God trying to fix them and do something in them, but maybe God is doing something in you. Maybe God wants to speak to your identity. Maybe God wants to speak His truth to you. Maybe God wants to remind you how much He loves you. Maybe God says, forget all that stuff right now. I want to commune with you. I want to feast with you. As we come into God's presence, before we want everything else to be healed, maybe we need to pray that God heals us. Heal me, God. Heal this pain. Heal this problem. Ecclesiastes 8.4 says this, Where the word of the king is, there is power. Where the word of the king is, there is power. So you say maybe in your life right now, I don't have any power over these circumstances. God has power over them. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Right now when the king speaks something to you, you do have power. I love the word that declares this. It says, the kingdom suffers violence, violence and the violent take it by force. So when you have the power of God speaking in you in that secret place, you are in power today. Not with yourself, not with your know-how, but you're empowered because the presence of God goes before you, it goes behind you, it surrounds you. It's so beautiful. Let me tell you this, the third thing in His presence, you cannot move forward until you know where God is moving. How many of you have moved outside of where you know you needed to move? Jonathan Edwards believed that every generation has a responsibility to discover where the sovereign Redeemer is moving and then to move in that direction. R.T. Kendall goes on to write, Likewise, the task of every child of God is to discover in which direction the Holy Spirit is moving in our lives and then to embrace the manner in which He chooses to unveil His presence and direction as God may or may not repeat the precise manner in which His glory was revealed to the church in previous generations so too God may be pleased to show up in our lives in a way of which you and I have not remotely thought of. Think about this when we're talking about the will of God for our life. What if God decides to do something that you didn't plan on? And that's why we need to wait and see what God is doing and see where He is moving. One of the hardest things for us to do with the presence of God is simply to wait. And this is where we learn to delight in the Lord and delight in His presence. If God decides to sit down with this situation here, then we sit and we enjoy what's going on. If God decides to start moving, we start moving. I love it because disciples, he said to come and follow me. So when we start to follow God and start to know his will for things going on in our life. And by the way, knowing God's will doesn't mean that you'll have everything completely perfectly together. We're all afraid of mistakes, aren't we? Maybe we didn't hear God's voice right. And we here's what's bad about the voice of God. What we do as New Testament believers is we immediately go to the Old Testament. Well, the prophets, they were all stoned to death if they missed on the will of God and the voice of God. And if they said something just wrong, they died. 
How many have got the voice of God wrong before? Okay, Quentin's the only guy back there. How many have got something wrong before where you thought you heard from God? Did you get stoned? Was your life over? Were you out of the community of faith? And I want to tell you today, as you learn the will of God for your life, you'll hear God. We see through this glass dimly. We don't see everything. There are times where we come out in faith and we say, God, are you speaking to me in this? And we think God might be speaking to me in an area. And he's not. But we learn the will of God. But let me tell you something. When God starts to move, don't stay sitting. When God starts to move and you're still like this, because you don't feel like making a mistake, I'm telling you, I would rather have you make some mistakes along the way with an honest and motivation of your heart being pure than to sit there and do nothing. If we want to know what God wants, Maria McManus writes this, I wonder how many times God has asked us, what do you want me to do for you? And in false humility we stammered and said, whatever you want to do, Lord, is fine. We need to know our hearts, and we need to know our desires, and we must allow those desires to be informed, and informed by our love and worship of God. He shapes His will in us far more than He speaks His will to us. I love it how He says that. He shapes His will in us far more than He speaks His will in us. And He starts to shape us, and we start to learn to do the things of God. I'm going to tell you right now that when I was 15 years old, when I was a freshman in high school, I knew the call of God was on my life, and the only thing that I wanted to do was preach the gospel. His will was being formed in me. I didn't have an audible voice of God, but my heart was stirred towards people. I had a shepherd's heart. I would bleed with people. I would love people. But I'm telling you, I knew that because it was forming in my heart. It wasn't saying, yay, Steve, go preach the gospel. If there was a forming of the will of God, and I don't care what God is calling you to, and that starts to form, and you start to adjust to that will, God will bless you and use you in Jesus' name. If we want to know what God wants, we need to give Him our hearts and let Him build the desires in us that we want more than anything else in the world. And this is where worship comes. Someone once said that worship is defined as celebrating the availability of God. For all of us here today, as you worship God in that secret place, I am telling you that God is available to you, that he is doing something in and through you. God is available, by the way. He's not busy working on another more important project. You have God's undivided attention right now. I want to finish with this letter here. When we close our eyes for a moment. Because I think many of us in our lives feel that we failed or We didn't go into that quiet place enough. God is is working in that. Yeah, just, just turn it down a little bit. That's okay. But a friend of author Larry Crabb wrote this in his journal. I tend to view life as a prescriptive. I want to believe, I desperately want to believe that if I do the right thing, all will be well. Whether in work or parenting or marriage, whatever I hope for, a cause and effect relationship in life. I see it especially during this past year in my worst nightmares. I never expected that what has happened would ever happen in my family. So many voices have told me to see my failure as a father and as a husband and as a Christian. To explain what's happened by what I didn't do right. If I had just done this, then this would never have happened. 
I've come to realize that I made a deal with God. I've arrogantly come to Him, not to know Him, but to parade my efforts. God, I read this book. I followed the principles. I did the family devotions. I told the kids I loved them. I went to their games, their school plays, and their recitals. And then I presented my checklist to God and said, I did all this, now produce. My fist was clenched in his face. I never saw it. I thought I was praying for blessings. By many measures, I've done really well, and that has created expectations. Great kids, beautiful grandkids, high school celebrations like everyone else. The list goes on. Reality rarely meets my expectations. I did a lot of things right, but my life isn't working very well. It's so confusing. All I know to do now is to come to God, to plead with Him, to let me know Him better. God, I want to draw near to you. Whether you bless my life as I want to or not, I ask for only one thing. Please, God, draw me near to you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I read that letter because maybe some of us today here have had that same kind of persona of God in His presence. We've done some things right. Do four good things and no bad things come my way. But he ends that whole journal entry with, whether you bless me, Lord, or not, whether you do this in my life or not, Lord, I just want you to draw me close to you. And our prayer today, Father, is just that, Lord, whether you do another thing in our life for us or not, you've done more than enough. We just want to know you, God. And maybe your cry today is that when you go into the secret place, just say, God, I want to know you more. Draw me to you. With every head bowed and every eye closed. First and foremost, if you don't know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And if you don't have that saving knowledge, the presence of God in your life, you can know that very definitively today and have the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ in your life, the forgiveness of all the sins and all the setbacks, and you can have the freedom that Christ offers you today. If you don't know Jesus Christ today and you want to know Him as your Lord and as your Savior I want to ask him in your heart today, if that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, why don't you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Today, in the quietness and the stillness of this moment, in that secret place we're all at, you're saying today that I'm, I'm going to step out and I'm going to go into that secret place. I want to know God like I've never known him before. I know that's a very general call, but very specifically, maybe God's working through you saying, come in here. When you come in here, shut that door. Today, you say, I'm going into the secret place, and I'm leaving behind all that stuff. And I'm coming into the Lord's presence. Everything else, may it fail you so that you can see that God is faithful. Today, are you going into that secret place? If that's you and you say, I'm starting to go into that secret place from this point forward, why don't you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're going into that secret place. I want to tell you that that secret place that you're going to is a beautiful place. It is a place where you'll hear a still small voice. It is a place where you'll receive healing. 
It is a place today where you'll receive hope. It is a place where you will find God. I don't want you to look for things when you go there this week. I want you to look for God. I don't even want you necessarily to look for answers because you might not find the answers. When Job concluded the whole thing, those questions were never answered that he had. But he did find God. And today you might not find answers to some of the stuff till you get to the other side. But I do want you to know that you can find God. And you can find that security and that help and that hope that you've so desperately needed. Today, why don't we pray this together? Dear Jesus, I thank you that you made the secret place for me. I choose today to come into your presence and shut that door. And allow you to heal me, to speak to me. God, I thank you that I have communion with you. That I can come into your throne room with boldness to find grace, help, and hope. I thank you, God. For what you're going to say to me. In Jesus' name. Amen. What a precious, precious thing. His ending prayer was, whether you bless my life as I want to or not, I only ask for one thing. Please, God, draw me near to you. just want to re-highlight today, tomorrow morning when you get up, May your first words and your first thoughts be whether good morning, I love you, whatever you feel directed to do, whatever the cool thing is that you do with God. It's your secret place, but make sure, I'm not asking you to pray for four hours tomorrow, I'm asking you to have your first thought and your first words be directed towards God. Not about the problems, not about all that you've got to fix, because there's going to be a lot of that going on. And you'll find all that stuff start to unwind And you'll find a stillness, and I'll find a stillness as we get in the habit of doing that. Amen? Lord, we just love you and we praise you for today. I pray a blessing over the family of God today for all of us. Lord, help us when we've forgotten about the secret place, that God, you said to go to the secret place and close the door. Lord, I thank you that we can meet and that we can commune with you, God. And I bless and praise you, God. Help us to have our first thoughts and our first words this week be towards you and with you. God, we we rip our prayer list to shreds. And we just want to commune with you. We want to have a cup of coffee with you. We want to talk with you. We want to enjoy you. Help us to receive the words that you want to speak over us and sing over us. The Bible declares, Lord, thank you that you sing over us. You sing over us songs of victory and joy. You sing over us, God. Thank you, God, that you sing over us. As a mother laying there with her child sings over her child and sings them to sleep. God, I thank you that the purity of your voice and, God, what you see in us, help us to see in ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said.
Amen. Amen. Love you, love you, love you. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we got to sing happy birthday to Allie, right? Can we do that, Allie? You, we, we had it up on the board. It was there. But we love you so much. Let's do this. We don't have the sander. I'm sorry, but uh, why don't we do that? Are you ready? One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Allie. Happy birthday to you. Amen. That is so good, so good. Well, bless you really good. And uh, don't forget this week, get your first thoughts and words in order. Amen. Amen. Love you guys so much.